Welcome to the Aeropedia podcast. I'm Ashwin. And I'm Peter. We're really excited to have you on board with us today. So the Aeropedia podcast is an easy listening podcast focusing on a wide range of aviation topics that will appeal to avid travelers, curious minds, budding aviation enthusiasts, young professionals, even students thinking about careers in aviation, and obviously the longtime av geeks. In each episode, we will cover a specific topic within this exciting industry and speak to a guest about their subject matter expertise in that area. So guests will talk about the skills required along their career ladder, key topics in their cool professions, and some behind-the-scenes stories. Each guest also will be able to compete in our exclusive Aeropedia podcast trivia challenge, hoping to be crowned the next ultimate av geek. Our trivia challenge is also a fun way to learn something new about the industry. So let's dive into our topic for today. So we're really excited. Today's topic is airline safety management systems, also known as SMS. And we have the pleasure of having Natasha Rao with us. Natasha is an aviation safety specialist. She currently works managing the safety management system of a Canadian airline. Natasha's background is in aviation human factors research having gained an education in and published papers on the subject. She started her career as a trained commercial pilot and has gained experience with aircraft manufacturers, regulators, airlines, and ground service providers. She is a self-proclaimed av geek and enjoys plane spotting, hiking, and traveling in her free time. So, is your takeoff checklist complete, Ashwin? Yes, it is. And we're ready to welcome Natasha on board. All right. So, well, thank you very much, Nat, for joining us. We're going to kick off with our first question. Can you tell us briefly a little bit about your background? Firstly, thank you so much, Peter and Ashwin, for having me here. Thrilled to be on the podcast. Uh, a little bit about my background. Well, like you just introduced, my name is Natasha Rao, and uh, I work in safety. Uh, my job is Safety 101, SMS 101, and my background is I am a human factors engineer by profession, by training, and also pilot by training. And that's combined together to get me into this world of safety, which is a realm to be discussed. <laughs> awesome. So, so Nan, you mentioned that uh, Safety 101 is your actual profession. What, just for the um, for the uninitiated and, and for all of those folks who don't know aviation as well, what is safety and what is SMS? Amazing. So safety is an umbrella term and SMS is only a component of safety. So I'll speak to both. Uh, SMS is essentially safety management systems for the uninitiated and safety management systems essentially speaks to the process or the systematic approach of managing safety in an airline. Uh, this is mostly relevant to aviation safety. So anything that might affect the safe operation of an aircraft, uh, anything that might affect the safety of flight, all of that is covered within the realm of SMS. It's a systematic and uh, uh, safety sensitive approach. Awesome, yeah. So 
talk to us a bit about how these functions are structured within an airline, right? Um, what sort of departments exist within safety, SMS, et cetera? And what, what sort of backgrounds do most of the people who work in these departments have? So uh, safety, like I said, is an umbrella term for overall safety in an airline. Uh, within that, most traditionally, you have safety management systems. Uh, you have occupational health and safety. So I'll speak to SMS already, but occupational health and safety is the safety of people in their workplace. And it's not only uh, it's not only specific to aviation. We have occupational health and safety in most uh, workplaces. Uh, it essentially makes sure that people are operating in a safe environment, that there's no risk to injury or there's a reduced risk to injury, things like that. Uh, what you also have is flight operations quality assurance. That's another huge aspect of safety that essentially looks at flight data. So all the cool black boxes on the aircraft that you have come with tremendous amount of data on it. And this data is then downloaded and it is uh, put together to kind of identify if you see any uh, trends, if you see anything that might be out of the normal and the best way to course correct. So these are the two, three most important departments that affect that essentially are in a safety department, under a safety department, but there's others depending on the airline you work for. Most of the people with these backgrounds have a more traditional education. So occupational health and safety is regulated. So you do have people that are uh, have to be licensed in the field to be able to operate um, in that role uh, with, or they need to have some sort of an education because there is, a lot of regulatory information that you need to have. You need to get a certain amount of licensing. When it comes to flight operations quality assurance, it's a little bit more different. Uh, you could be a pilot. You could you could be an engineer. You could be someone that has uh, you know some experience previously in the world of data, and you'll still be able to do uh, exactly this job because you have the ability to learn about how aircraft data works. SMS is a little different. SMS, once again, you don't necessarily need to have a single uh, path to get there. The best uh, way to do it, of course, uh, or the most traditional way is uh, to, of course, have a background in safety. So an education, either in aviation safety, uh, an education in psychology also really helps. Uh, pilot's license, always a great way to go. And I'm essentially just listing what I did. Um, and you also have the opportunity or the option of uh, getting a more specialized degree that sort of streamlines your understanding in a certain aspect of safety or SMS. Awesome. So, so you don't absolutely have to be a pilot to get into SMS. You absolutely don't. It's uh, actually very beneficial to have multiple different avenues and different areas of experience because it's applicable to every aspect of the operation. So it's good to know a little bit about everything even. Yeah, makes sense. Awesome. So talk to us a bit about um, what the overall objective of the um, of, of an airline's SMS department is and what, what what's the overall purpose? So the overall purpose of an SMS is risk management. We're in the business of risk management. And the best analogy I can give you is that we deal with risk or we assess risk on an everyday basis. When you're crossing the street, you assess risk. Uh, 
the likelihood of seeing traffic, the likelihood of seeing the frequency of the traffic. These are all aspects that go towards deciding if you're going to cross the street or not. That's essentially what we do within SMS. We assess risk. We see if this is something that uh, looks like it's low risk, medium risk, high risk, you know, to keep it very basic, and how we might be able to employ methods to reduce the risk. So if you've got an event that is, you know, looking like it might be a problem, you don't want it to become a bigger problem. You want to employ barriers or measures that are going to reduce the you know propensity of that reoccurring. Uh, you want to reduce the level of risk and you want to make it uh, you want to make it a smaller problem than a bigger problem or no problem at all. So that's essentially the job of SMS. And that's done through either procedural changes. Uh, through, like I said, implementing corrective actions that might create barriers in letting an issue become a bigger problem. Crossing the street nine times out of 10 is probably more risky than flying. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> that yeah. it is. And that is exactly why I use that analogy all the time. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And and so I, I guess when you say problems, they can manifest themselves uh, in the form of incidents, accidents, etc. Right. So what, what, what are the primary differences between how you classify incidents versus accidents? So an accident, I think we all, at least to some degree, have an understanding of. It is a catastrophic event. It is something that usually ends in either, you know, the loss of an aircraft, loss of life, uh, we're familiar because of Mayday. If you watched Mayday, aircraft investi air crash investigations, uh, you know, the enthusiasts out there, that would be an accident. An incident is something of a slightly uh, less intensity. It is something that's usually a precursor to an accident, something that could perhaps, with the right measures, have prevented an accident from occurring. Uh, you also have... Uh, hazards, which are a part of the world of incidents. So it's something that's happened or something that you see is different from normal operations that you think might or could end up in either an incident or an accident. Uh, the best way I'd say it is, you know, hazards can be more proactive. Incidents also have the opportunity of being more proactive. Accidents are usually things that you have to react to. So the opportunity to prevent it from happening has already passed. Now, you know, Safety is something universal for cross aviation that's important. Um, of course, airlines compete against one another for, for winning uh, customers over in that. But do airlines work together uh, when it comes to SMS or do they do it largely independently? That's a really good question. And yes, airlines do work together is the short answer. The long answer and the more interesting answer is that we Airline is, I mean, aviation is an industry where we learn from experience and you can't always have the same experiences. So there is a shared pool of knowledge. There's the benefit or the emphasis on being able to exchange information with other airlines, something that they might have witnessed that we're not witnessing yet. And we might have the potential to do so. Uh, we do so by the means of, of course, like conferences or, you know, shared forums as such. Uh, one of the most reliable ways I have come to experience is shared data. Uh, by sharing data between airlines, we find the opportunity to identify 
anything we're seeing as a trend, like something that's reoccurring tremendous times, which should not be happening. And it's a great way for us to just exchange notes and uh, prevent something more catastrophic from occurring. It is an opportunity to educate and learn. So to answer your question, yes, airlines do work together. And uh, one thing I'd always like to say is you will never find a safety manager that from another airline that does not answer your call. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. Because any given airline might have a one-off event or something, but in reality, it could be a trend or something outside with other airlines and that. So that's that's great. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. When it comes to you know how you categorize SMS, is is it different than safety, or how would you categorize SMS, the differences? Sorry, uh, I would say SMS is a component of safety. Safety is an umbrella term. It's it encompasses so many different uh, avenues and aspects of, you know, of the safe operation, whether it's safety of flight, uh, safety of actually operating the aircraft from a pilot's perspective. Like I mentioned, flight data monitoring, for instance, is strictly catered towards pilots uh, about how they respond to the aircraft and how the aircraft might respond to them. Uh, occupational health and safety, like I said, uh, and SMS is just a single component of that. It identifies the opportunity for improving processes. It, it identifies the opportunity to uh, you know, add barriers and add measures that will prevent things from happening uh, through investigations, through audits, um, you know, all the fun stuff. I think SMS is a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners feel the same way. And some of them might be interested more in what the specific things an auditor might do. Could you share maybe what an auditor within a safety department might do on a regular basis as part of their job? For sure. So an auditor would actually be working with other aspects of the safety department or like with uh, SMS to essentially identify if once an, once an event has been investigated, so once the Sherlock Holmes kind of work has been done, what process or plan has been put into place to prevent this from happening again? And has that been successful? So an auditor will look and say, okay, so this is, this is the plan that you put in place. Was this plan actually helpful in preventing this event from occurring? Or was this plan at least helpful in reducing the number of times this event has occurred. So have we reached a certain amount of threshold? Because you can't always eliminate risk altogether. Going back to my analogy about crossing the street, it would be the perfect environment if you took cars off the street altogether, but that's not the reality we live with. So under what circumstances can you put a crosswalk on the way? Can you put you know, a sign asking, a stop sign asking traffic to slow down? These are you know, the kind of barriers but less relevant to aviation, but the kind of barriers that we might use in uh, the world of aviation to prevent something more catastrophic from happening. And that's the job of the auditor to identify if these have been effective. Excellent. We hear the term you know, safety culture uh, in different contexts within aviation and, and outside too, as you reference that. What does the term safety culture mean to you? So that's a really good point uh, about safety culture and what you led with, because I will say that 
SMS is not singularly a function of aviation. SMS exists in all safety sensitive industries. So you can be an SMS within the realm of, of railways, of nuclear power. All of these uh, essentially exist to create this culture where people can report events, where people can uh, people know that when they identify something to pose as a safety risk, that it has been given its due attention, that they are being heard, uh, that the issue is being looked at, and moreover, that they are safe in reporting this event. So one of the most important components of uh, SMS is that it is non-punitive. So you cannot be punished for reporting a safety event, even if you are involved in it. Um, you have to go through an entire investigation process. If there is blame involved, it is it is a very small amount uh, that can only be uh, dictated by if it was you know willful negligence or criminal intent, things like that. But overall, the SMS is meant to be non-punitive, and by the process of being non-punitive, it we would like to create a culture where people feel confident in reporting issues, where they feel comfortable in bringing up, uh, you know, hazards that can then be addressed so they don't lead to incidents and accidents. And uh, this essentially is my understanding of safety culture. It is that personability of a process, which I think a lot of processes don't get to do. So I think it's a very special aspect of uh, safety. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it seems there's just a foundational level of trust needed within the organization too to to have that, and that's that's really for powerful. Sure. Yeah, for sure. It, they, you do need to have that system of trust. You don't need people to know that they can come to you with issues. Uh, you don't need to know that you know this is going to be looked at and that you're not going to be punished for raising something because nine times out of ten it is not an individual person that's responsible for an event occurring there's something if if i can do it someone else can do it you know so what exists in terms of the structure and the organization and in terms of policies and processes that can perhaps be improved uh to change that training for is a good example of that you know when a person reports something we take a look at it and we say hey what if we give them not just them but give everyone a little bit more training on the subject would that make this issue either go away or would that reduce the number of times it's occurred and uh, if that works great and it's now also built a system of trust within the organization for people to come and tell you that they've seen something wrong and i can tell you we uh, from my experience people will come to you at the strangest of times and tell you things that they're seeing. <laughs> That's, you probably have some stories. <laughs> that I do. <laughs> I think everyone in the safety uh, profession does. <laughs> That's great. When you, so you referenced, you know, the reporting and, and when someone does that, could you maybe, and some of the examples of what you might do, could you go a little bit deeper into when a report is filed or information shared into the SMS? What, what happens? Um, yeah, for sure. So once a report goes into the SMS, which is essentially, you know, a software, it's a tool um, available to everyone in the organization. Everyone's required. It's literally in their job description that they have to contribute to safety. Uh, they have to participate. So if you see something, say something. Um, 
when they do post something about uh, an issue they are seeing, it comes down to the department to assess risk. Like I said, we're in the business of risk management. So we have to assess if this is something that's low risk. Is this something that is more of a perceived threat than it actually is? Is it a perceived risk than it actually is? Uh, is it something that's, you know, more medium or high? Or is this something that requires a little more intervention uh, from our parts to be able to stop it from happening? What are the what is the end state? What happens? If this actually manifests, worst case scenario comes true, what's the worst that can happen? You know, how does this, uh, what can what can go wrong? Uh, once we answer these questions, we determine if this file needs to be investigated. Uh, that's where the cool people come in, the Sherlock Holmes of uh, this context come in. They get to join this process. They get to investigate the file. Uh, they get to identify what happened when it happened who was involved in the incident, what did they see? Sometimes it could be something as simple as it was bad weather, like it was foggy, you know, what environmental conditions exist. Uh, and then they will try to come up with the best possible plan that they can, which will show them what barriers can be uh, put in place. So that's called the corrective action plan. And that's the job of the investigator is to come up with a corrective action plan. And they're usually a neutral third party or a subject matter expert. So, hey, like this is the issue. Uh, these are the people I've interviewed. These are the processes I've looked at. These are the policies I've looked at. Uh, this is what I think is the best possible way forward to prevent this from happening again. Um, that is part one of the SMS process. And then the part two of the SMS process is ensuring that that entire plan is effective and that it has actually uh, you know, been adopted across an organization, uh, that it is easily uh, you know, implementable. That's another part of it. It's got to be uh, you know, something people can actually implement and that it makes sense and that it has actually worked towards the end goal, which is reducing that uh, event from occurring or reducing the risk of that event altogether. So that's the SMS process entirely. Yeah, it has to be something realistic back to your earlier analogy. It can't be something that's too difficult to, to apply. I love the exactly. Sherlock Holmes analogy, but but my question then <laughs> is Ashwin, is it you or me that's Watson? We have We have to decide. <laughs> Yeah, I always prefer being Sherlock Holmes. At the most, <laughs> I'll go with Enola Holmes, for those of you who know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Forget her. Um, yeah, the lesser known Holmes. Uh, but I think Watson plays an important role, right? Like, you can almost think of Watson as the auditor. Like, hey, Sherlock, are you sure you're doing the right thing? Did that make sense? So that would be my analogy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think it's been it's been fun listening to the analogies. I, I also like the one with with the, the crossing the road, right? Um, I, I think yeah. it just provides a lot of context, uh, especially from yeah. an auditing perspective, right? Uh, something as simple as having a crosswalk, right? Um, the idea of implementing the crosswalk is one and then maintaining the crosswalk and ensuring that it addresses the need for the crosswalk in the first place, right? So it's got sort of a, a real continuous loop, um, and to your point, that is in in in, in concept uh, what an SMS uh, department is, is supposed to look at all the time, right? Exactly. Pretty cool. So, um, 
let's let's quick move on to the the, the slightly more fun section um okay that, that, that we have set up so the, the next section natasha is a rapid fire round so we'll just ask you some very generic fun questions and you know okay. answer depending on the first thing that that pops into your mind um amazing okay yeah so the the first one i have for you is you know what according to you um, if you had to name one hard and one soft skill to to succeed in in your role, right? What what would it be? I think the hard skill is I would say would be data management. I think it's a lesser known skill in the world of aviation safety, and I think it's catching up pretty quick. Uh, it's the gold of our generation. So I would say data is the gold of our generation, or actually, it's the oil. I don't know. You pick. Uh, but I would say that it's important. It's an important skill to have, and it's more and more required and beneficial. And the soft skill uh, would be, I think, the ability to be personable. I think the ability to strike a conversation, to create an atmosphere of comfort where people are able to converse with you and have a conversation and tell you their grievances and what they're seeing, uh, but also come to ask you, hey, listen, I think we might you know have this regulation that we don't understand and you're able to answer that question so i think the ability to create that atmosphere of personal ability is really important that'd be a good soft skill awesome yeah you um, definitely have that skill too you've made it very easy to talk to you today now ah. yeah <laughs> thank you um okay what's your fondest aviation memory do I have to give one? <laughs> yeah, maybe try to give give us one and then okay. let's see if we, we can do another as well. Amazing. Okay, so my fondest aviation memory was uh, when I was a little girl and uh, I was traveling with family and I really badly wanted to see the flight deck. And uh, we knew at the time it was uh, less of a problem going into the flight deck, especially while you're cruising. Uh, and I begged and pleaded and they said yes of course please bring her in and I was all of maybe five years old and that was the moment I decided I wanted to be a pilot because I walked in and I saw this beautiful flight deck it was a 747 it was just spectacular all the lights I mean kids like lights as it is so maybe there was a little bit of that but all the lights and all the you know the whole glory of it was was just a lot and uh, I think that was my favorite uh, memory uh, and I think I was able to uh, manifest that. So that was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So um, being in aviation, you get exposed to different things. And, and, and what do you think is kind of the, the most misunderstood or, or you know, I, I would say least understood part of aviation to the general public? And what can the general public do to learn more about that piece? Hmm. Okay. So I would say that the least understood and sometimes to your point, misunderstood part of aviation or jobs in aviation would be flight attendants. I think flight attendants, uh, the general uh, idea is the opinion is that they're there to cater to your service needs, which is a part of their function of being on board the aircraft, but their primary reason to be on the aircraft is for your safety as a passenger. Uh, flight attendants are trained safety individuals. They receive rigorous and extensive training before they get the positions they do. They do a great amount of work. Uh, they have exams to take, which include regulations. They have to understand 
everything about the aircraft, aircraft systems. Uh, they need to be able to fight fire, be able to give you CPR if needed. It's you want to be around a flight attendant, like believe me. Uh, and I think that's the general misconception is that they're there to serve a very different need. Uh, but they're really just there to get you out of trouble when there is trouble. And uh, uh, I've also come to know from my experience that a lot of them are, you know, have a lot of training in other aspects of the world. Like I know of a few flight attendants who are in fact doctors or in medical school, uh, putting themselves through medical school or nursing school. So those are the kind of people you want to be around. That's, And I think the best way to learn about it is just to... Uh, you know, read more about it, speak to people uh, when you're on an aircraft, if you see a flight attendant, you know, have more conversations, uh, read more, uh, just be a little more, you know, open to learning about uh, what flight attendants do in, in, uh, on an aircraft. I think that's the best way to do it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You can just imagine um, an aircraft full of like 100 passengers and there being no flight attendant there. Um, I wonder what would happen, right? Um, everyone would have their cell phones out and no seat belts, and it would be a party. Uh, it would be a party. <laughs> not a good one. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. There'll be a few SMS reports if that, if that were to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel I started to think. <laughs> it's a nightmare for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, one last question in, in the rapid fire um, What is your favorite? airline or airplane or airport and why and you can give a combination of these these uh, responses as well so my favorite aircraft hands down and controversial uh, opinion but it's a 747 <laughs> uh queen of the skies she's called the queen of the skies for a reason so i think the 747 is just the most beautiful aircraft there is uh, has been and uh, it's a reason why we can't let go and she's been in service for such a long time. Uh, my favorite airline, uh, I would say, in terms of in terms of the way we perform and uh, the way they exist in today's Canadian market. And I speak strictly about Canada. I'd have to say Porter. Uh, from a sense sentimental perspective, I'd have to say Air India, just because it's got me home so many times uh, in the many years I've been away. Uh, so I'd have to say that. And on that same note, in terms of airport, I would say Bombay is my favorite airport. <laughs> uh, just because it's home. And uh, that's where I started my journey. And that's where I keep going back. So it's a gateway into my happy place. Awesome. Uh, very insightful, Natasha. Um, Peter, is it that time of the show? Already? Oh, yes. It's that time. <laughs> it's uh -oh. time for... <laughs> The exclusive to the Aeropedia podcast. We're going to transition to our trivia round. This is Ooh. where each guest has a chance to prove their aviation knowledge. And Ooh, we're going to try to okay. find, at the end of the year, be able to crown the AvGeek champion for our podcast. So, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. Go ahead, Peter. Question number one. What distinguishing feature did the 747 which is your favorite airplane the 747 300 variant introduce versus previous variants of the 747 wingtips is that your final answer i'll say it's my final answer here's the picture 
Oh, that would be the 747, 400, right? The 400 introduced mm. the, the winglets. Yeah, right. But the 300 introduced something else. Do they have more seats? Like a, yes. that's what it is? Oh exactly. my God, okay. Yep, the 300 cool. variant was the first version of the 747 that extended the upper deck. Ah. So before that, it was a shorter upper deck. And then you're right on the 400. Then they added in the the wingtip wing um, additions. So, okay. Learning Next question. <laughs> it's an airport question. So this airport was opened in 1994, and it was built on an island of reclaimed land that has been sinking ever since. And that rate of sinking has gone faster than they originally designed for the airport, with some estimates that the airport could become submerged by the 2050s. Can you name the airport? Hong Kong. Hello. Not Hong Kong. Hi. The big difference is the year that it was opened. So 1994. Huh. It is in Asia. It is in Asia. Is it Singapore? It is not Singapore either. Oh, um, would it be? Okay. In Japan. In Japan. Okay. So that's only one option. That's Tokyo Narita. It is Osaka Kansai Osaka. Airport. Okay. This is turning out to be a learning opportunity. Yes, there's multiple <laughs> people on this podcast that are going to learn. <laughs> this is That's the whole point of this, really. Yes. Excellent. Yep, so Osaka <laughs> Osaka Kansai Airport was opened up uh, on an island in 1994, and it's uh, been sinking ever since. So Amazing. it may be something yeah. that only our generation will have ever uh, experienced if it goes back wow. into the city. So cool. That's unfortunate and interesting. It is. All right. Next question Aviation jobs. So some examples of responsibilities for this aviation job include safety evaluations of weather, route, and alternate airports, in-flight monitoring, crew reviews of both currency and rest periods, and flight plan preparations. So this could be one of two things. I'm going to go with dispatch, flight dispatches. Follow closely, but I'm just going to give you my second opinion. Of course, pilots, but I'm going to say that it's flight dispatches. Yes, it Woo! is flight dispatches. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got one. I got one. Yay! <laughs> Good job. All right. Question four: IATA codes. So this is an airport with okay. Oscar Gulf Gulf O G G. Do you know what airport this is? It's Hawaii, and I will try not to murder the name. Kaului? It is. Good job. Okay. Amazing. Kaului Airport <laughs> on the island of Maui. Amazing. So there it is. OGG. I would love These to be there. We're going to have to find out, have someone from Kahului come join us and tell us what the origins of OGG are. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sure there's a story there. Gotta be. All right. And question number five for you, airlines. This former U.S. airline was titled the world's friendliest. And as part of that, they painted their airplane noses with smiles on them. 
Ah. Okay, uh, can I ask follow-up questions? Yes. I am an auditor by profession, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this airline still operational? So that is a trick question in a way. So technically it is, but okay. it was, it's been absorbed by another U.S. carrier. So the mm, name exists, okay. uh, but not in the same form as, as it did at the time this airline painted its planes with noses. Because I know PSA used to have smiles on them. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. I was not expecting to know this answer. <laughs> so there it is. A picture of an L-1011, okay. a Pacific Southwest Airlines, PSA, I was which is now think... part of the American, American Airlines bought PSA, and PSA still operates, but now it's as a regional carrier. Yeah. So. I was trying to think of present airplanes <laughs> that might or like present airlines operational airlines which is why i asked the question okay good sure. to know good question good follow-up and good good memory so <laughs> all right well thank you nat for for joining us on our trivia my pleasure this was fun thanks nat yeah i, I think um the some of these uh peter likes to really test uh uh, everyone's skills here right but I, I think <laughs> the the foundational element here is is you know you me and everybody like we all love to learn and uh, you know some will some will like the podcast some will love the podcast but everyone will learn from the podcast and that's the actual objective here um, so you know having said that thanks a lot I think um, you you've given us so much insight into the world of safety SMS and and I think uh, being a pilot as well your perspective is is so unique right so um, thanks a lot for this and we we have to have you back at some point in the future to talk about you know how folks can uh, become a pilot even right and and that transition from you know wanting to be a pilot full time to getting into more of the professional services etc right um, that'll be a fun yeah. chat as well. Oh, I look forward to that. I enjoy conversations and I enjoy having a conversation with you guys. Thank you so much for having me here. This has been so much fun and I hope it's helpful to the listeners at the end goal. And you're right. Safety is all about learning and it's all about educating ourselves. So this has been really fun. Thank you so much, guys. This is excellent opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank man. you so much. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today and feel free to subscribe and like our podcast at the Aeroscope Aviation channel on YouTube or the audio version through your favorite podcast feed. Also, give us any feedback on topics you'd like to hear or ways we can improve the podcast. Visit our Podbean site, aeropedia.podbean.com. See you on the next leg of our journey.